0: Welcome, welcome, one and all, to our podcast, Seven Days to Rock and Stone, Guardians, so named after some of our favorite co-op games. This podcast, hosted by myself, Kevin, and my compatriot, Ryan, will dive into all things geek, gaming, and glory. To start us off as we delve into this podcast thing for the very first time, we'll be reveling in a favorite series of mine, Stargate. For those who haven't seen this series or its preceding cinematic debut, Netflix has both the original movie and all 10 seasons of SG-1. I highly recommend watching them and following along as we give our opinions and share some fun facts about a blast from the past series that starts us off in the mid-90s. I wish you seven days to rock and stone, Guardian. That's not too bad. No, it's not too bad. Seven days to rock and stone. Guardian. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Sounds great. Okay. That's what we'll call it. We'll come up with something. Um, uh, So today we're doing uh, Stargate Sunday, going over the main canon of the series, excluding the original movie, because honestly, the original movie is... Not as good as the series, in my opinion.
1: Oh, hold on there! <laughs> I, mean, yeah, had, I, had, I beg to differ.
0: It had Kurt Russell in it, and that's all it had going for it. Yeah,
1: but it, it also had Robert California in it.
0: Okay, that's true. Yeah, but I like the, I like Michael Shanks, the guy who plays uh, Daniel Jackson in SG One, much better.
1: Much, I, I, I much feel better. like after watching both of them together, it's like um. Michael Shanks is like the the Kmart? <laughs> the Kmart version. The Kmart
0: version? I don't think the yeah. I mean I mean, did you ever play with the K bots? They were pretty good. They were. They were. They weren't bad. They weren't uh yeah, yeah. they
1: weren't as terrible as everyone gives them shit for. No, no. I mean they, they definitely <laughs> were not Transformers, but they uh they I mean <laughs> they weren't that bad. No.
0: I mean, it's like comparing Legos and what is it, Roblox or whatever the hell it is?
1: Yeah, yeah. Uh, <sighs> Legos versus Roblox or whatever.
0: Yeah, I have no idea what the hell they are. Yeah, so uh,
1: Roblox is a, a game, it's a video game. Sure, sure, sure. Yes, yes, it is. I hear
0: a lot about it. Is it in the
1: kids' thing? Yeah, it, it's popular with children, yeah. Oh, all right.
0: I'm not much of a. Kids' guy. Wow.
1: It's uh, it's one of the the things that has like a million little microtransactions. So you get like packs of uh, visual stuff, and it's it's definitely known for like kids grabbing their parents' card and like loading up on Robux, <sighs> I guess they're called. Ah, is that I'm why I keep minutes. seeing that
0: all over Reddit? Yeah,
1: mm-hmm. gonna
0: get my Robux.
1: Gotta get the Robux. Oh My
0: God, I wonder what. All right. It's... All right. Well. <laughs> Let's go over a synopsis of this first episode. So this first episode is actually a two-parter. Original air date, July 27, 1997. That was forever ago. What a
1: time to be alive. What a
0: time to be alive. But it was a good... A ser- it was a really good episode. Um, but it just gets better from this one, in my opinion.
1: I think, you know, the very first like part of this episode... Like you can watch it now and see, okay, this was definitely filmed as a pilot and it definitely was the very first like maybe two or three scenes that were set apart and filmed initially like those. Like yeah, like
0: those were probably part of the pilot original pilot screening and yep. the later scenes probably going into the second part of the episode. Yep. Were definitely screened after the
1: fact because
0: the quality is real crap goes
1: goes way up after that first half of the episode yeah and like the first ep- the first part of the episode uh now uh, like i'm sure like a group of high school teenagers could make it themselves with the like current video editing software uh in like a weekend they can make it better we all know and it would look better yeah it would look uh much better May, the it, amount of open-source software
0: available to children nowadays is just
1: I mean, it's, it's great. It's ridiculous, but um, like, it's, it's so campy that it's amazing. Yes, that's probably
0: what... I don't think that's what drew me into the, the series in the first place. You know, what's really interesting is it does make a lot of references to other science fiction stuff throughout the series. And I'll probably end up saying something about that every time I hear well, yeah, one of Well, yeah, is there,
1: um, there's like a TV show from the 80s, uh, that essentially kind of says that every TV show is this kid's imagination and that's they're all tied together. I cannot for the life of me remember what that show is at the moment. That's interesting. But, um, yeah, I'll have to, we'll have to look that one up.
0: All right, let's go over a synopsis for this
1: episode. Okay.
0: Um, let's see, Year it takes place a year after the first mission to Abydos, that being um, the original Stargate movie. Earth Stargate is currently sitting in Cheyenne Mountain, um, inactive, and then all of a sudden uh, it activates on its own. Uh, an enemy named Apophis and his loyal Jaffa emerge from said uh, Stargate. They attack and they kill the security personnel that are sitting there. They kidnap a member of said personnel from the Cheyenne Mountain before <laughs> fleeing. Uh, Colonel Jack O'Neill is then who play, who's played by uh, Richard Dean Anderson. Um, most people know him from what? MacGyver? Is that really the only other thing that people know him from?
1: Uh, it's the most popular thing. Probably.
0: Other than this. This is probably the second most popular thing, yeah. other than MacGyver mm-hmm. that he's known for. Um, reunite with Dr. Daniel Jackson on Ab- Abydos. Dr. Daniel Jackson is no longer played by James Spader. He's played by Michael Shanks. Um, tragedy soon strikes. Jackson's finds his life changing forever when his brother-in-law, Skara and Sharae, Uh Fun fact uh, that I'll point out to you. They changed her name from the movie to the show, Sha- Shaori, to Share, huh? Uh because <laughs> Michael Shanks was unable to pronounce it.
1: <laughs> and because he
0: was going to be saying it a lot, he had to be able to pronounce it. So they changed it to Sharae instead of Shaori.
1: Showery. Yeah, because it's very I mean if you break it apart. I feel like I can't say that without like moving my face in a certain way. I mean if you noticed I had a
0: hard time saying it the first time around. You have to break it apart. Shari. 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 Yes, so they just went with Share. Um which is a lot easier. Uh the kid who plays Skara is actually the one from the movie. Uh I don't know what his name is. Let me look that up real quick. No 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 no. Alexis Cruz. Never, okay. I've never seen him in anything else, no. honestly. And I may not recognize him if I did because of all that hair that he's got going on. Um. So, let's see where it was. They're both kidnapped. Um. Essentially, SG One and SG Two get created under the command of General Hammond and now officially reopen the Stargate program and head on to uh, what's designated as Chulak later on in the show um, to rescue everybody. They get there. They get into big combat. They manage to get a defected Jaffa to come back
1: with them in in Teal, who's uh, played by Christopher Judge. Here's a, a fun fact. Uh... General Hammond, uh, Don S. Davis, is uh, actually a member of the U.S. Army. Really? In the rank of captain. I I got that from
0: his stature. He's the only one whose stature really matches the fact that he's in the military of some kind. Oh,
1: yeah. I mean, like, from the moment he's in the scene, like, he is, like, he has command of the scene. Oh,
0: yeah. The second you see him, you know he's part of the military. Everyone else was sort of
1: a joke. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, you could definitely tell (laughs) that they were pretending, but it seemed like they were trying to follow his lead or, you know, at least uh, direction.
0: Yeah, they probably could have used him. They probably used him as a a consultant too.
1: Yeah, I'm sure.
0: But um, another fun fact, uh, Christopher Judge does the voice of Kratos in God of War. Ooh. He's got that deep, deep voice. Um, works real well. So if you've ever played that one, it's very good. So that's pretty much the synopsis of this two-parter episode. Uh, the first half of the first episode pretty much shows us, um, goes over what happened in the original Stargate.
1: Yeah, so there's, there's a lot of back and forth just talking about like the events of the movie, and you know kind of the blowback from what happened afterwards yeah they're uh they're basically even in the card game they're talking about uh like oh you know this place used to be such like a, a booming installation and now they're transferring all these people away from it yeah because it's just a money
0: a money uh pit you can tell that they're they're using a lot of this to obviously point out the fact that some characters who are coming back from the movie are played by different people so they're just sort of skipping over that
1: yeah or like oh that person was transferred mm, right
0: like Ferretti and Kowalski not played by the same guys Ferretti I think was played by um, what the hell's his name French Stewart in the movie (laughs) and Kowalski Um, was played by another guy that I see in a lot of different movies as background characters I can't remember his name
1: I it escapes me at the moment.
0: Now I gotta look it up, because it's gonna bother me. (laughs) Let's see here. (laughs) This would be better on IMDB, wouldn't it? Bring me to Stargate. Well, I'm looking that up. Uh, let's go into the fact that (coughs) they just bring in, um... Jack O'Neill, from his house, just all willy-nilly walk up onto his roof instead of uh, actually (laughs) like knocking on the door, looking for him, or you know calling him. Yeah, (laughs) giving him a call. I mean, they did have cell phones at this point. I'm fairly certain.
1: Well, you said was ninety seven. Yeah, they would have had some
0: They would have had the really first generation Nokia's or something like uh... that. Oh, let's see here. Who is it? Who is it? Who is it? Ferretti. French Stewart was played by Ferretti.
1: I always, like, I can never identify him in things that he's not doing the uh, Third Rock (coughs) from the Sun bit from. Yeah. Because he he looks totally different, and he sounds totally different. John Deal is the guy who plays um, Kowalski.
0: Uh, it's it's hard to it's hard to pinpoint down because he's in so many different things. Ah, he played Cooper in Jurassic Park three. The guy who got run down by the the spinosaurus. Oh uh, yeah, okay. Yeah, he got run down by that guy. He was a pretty prominent character. It looks like in the the Shield. I didn't never watch the Shield, so I can't no, say I didn't too watch much. The shield either. Um, just going through some of his stuff. He's like the guy who plays everything in anything he can get pretty much. Cause he's got, he's very consistent actor.
1: It looks like. So that's, yeah, I mean, this this like series has a lot of, uh, actors that are like either prolific as like side actors, as like supporting actors, or even as just like character actors that are like in stuff. But they're not really, you know, part of the main story. Yeah. Um, a lot of these actors I, are used by the that predict, particular production
0: company in a lot of other things from the '90s, uh, like yes. the guy who plays Walter, the Chief Master Sergeant, the guy who usually yells out, um, "Something's locked, engaged." pretty much is the one who yells out what's going on with the Stargate the whole time.
1: Okay. Um, he, yes, he's the, in a lot of the different the things. Chevrons are
0: locked. Yeah, the Chevrons. I was trying to think of the name for some reason, <laughs> but he's, he's in a lot of other things from the nineties and it's probably because that production company was the one was that was in charge. Um, but yeah. All right. So, so we've got the synopsis. Here's, like, here's some things that, that just, just didn't make sense to me when I was watching this episode. Um, first of all, Major Samuels, extremely good casting, mostly because he's got a, an extremely punchable face. <laughs> that guy is so annoying, and it just gets even more annoying as the series goes on. I'm going to tell you right now, I've seen the series three or four times over, so...
1: Okay. You're you're coming hard, you're coming at it with a pretty fresh <laughs> Yeah.
0: You're coming at it with a pretty fresh perspective. I'm coming at it with a I've seen this show a bunch of times, so I'm gonna point out some stuff that doesn't make sense in the early early goings on. Um okay. so Major Samuels goes picks up uh Colonel O'Neill, brings him back, the first thing they do pull a staff weapon out after explaining what happened. And he's like, um, we can't figure out how to turn it on. Oh, I love that part. I'm like, what? we just Are you can't s- figure it
1: out. Are you serious? Because it looks like there's just like two and switches it on it. Turn it over. And it has literally like uh, <laughs> one of those like um, post switches where it literally has only two settings, either on or off. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. It's just, it, it's like there's two switches on there
0: total guarantee it and there's no way you could figure out how to flip it on.
1: I just I just picture him like really just staring at this thing and just looking it over in his hands and running his hands up and down and just like shaking his head and like stroking his face and like I just don't get it. I know I, I know I... it was used as
0: a plot device to make it look as though Major Samuels was incompetent, but that was
1: really pushing it. But yeah, like god damn does it make him look like an idiot. Like yeah. Yeah, that that was that was the <laughs> best part.
0: It's it, yeah, it's just the one switch. It looks like there may be a button or something there too. But goddamn it, it, a man. button
1: or something. Yeah, but like it's so, it's just so obvious when they flip it over and they zoom in on Richard Dean Anderson's hand as he like pl- presses the switch. And It's one switch. It's like <laughs> come on, <coughs> can't figure it out.
0: Yeah, yeah, can't fi- can't figure it out. No idea. Our best scientists can't figure this shit out, and it's a tiny switch that a monkey could have figured out just by by accident. By accident. Now, this is in no way saying that I I hate this show. This is just pointing out that there's a campiness to it that probably is the reason that
1: Star Wars was so goddamn popular in the 70s. Well, I mean, it, it plays off of some of the, like, classic sci-fi tropes that were established during, like, early science fiction, mm. where there's just, like, everything in this show beyond, like, uh, the first couple of episodes is, like, meant to be otherworldly. Like, it's beyond Earth. Uh, So, like, it, it plays into, like, some of the tropes that, like, early, early sci-fi, like, teenagers from outer space or... Um, Plan, uh, Plan Nine, is uh, uh, stuff that's just like out there, but it feels like it just feels like after like years of experience, in science fiction, like this is like the quintessential science fiction experience. Mm-hmm. Is Stargate? Yeah,
0: just crazy. I do, I do like, however, when they when they've got Colonel O'Neill there and they've got Ferretti and and uh, Kowalski they're like okay we know you're lying on your reports could you just tell us at this point point? and then uh to call their bluff they're like okay we're going to we're going to send a nuke through not a mark 3 this time it's going to be a mark
1: 5 yeah, and they I'm go like, all the way to nukes it's like and i'm like
0: wait a second yeah. is that really necessary i feel like what you could do is just send a a team through and and destroy the gate and then that team
1: is just stranded there <laughs> Instead of sending a nuke. I uh, mean, yeah, it, strictly speaking, they don't know it's gonna happen. Yeah. They like, don't know whether or not it's gonna Actually nothing destroyed. happened with the first one. Well, in the movie, right.
0: in the movie, the the Stargate wasn't anywhere near where they nuke oh, yeah, this was, yeah, right. was on Ra's right. ship. Um but just 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 insane. They went straight to nukes and it and, and you could see the look in uh, in Colonel Jack O'Neill's face that it was like really? You guys are going to send a nuke? Oh, that's <laughs> uh, like, <laughs> oh, now we're playing hardball. And then he's like, okay, I got to give it, I got to give it away. Got to give it away. So after that, after that, then they decide, uh, and they're like, okay, we got to make contact with Dr. Daniel Jackson. Now that we know he's still alive on Abydos to find out if he knows anything about where these aliens came from. That right. <laughs> total MacGyver moment right there for, for Richard Dean Anderson. He grabs a box of tissues and just tosses it through. He's like, let's not waste money on all, on this prototype probe you're going to send through. I'm just going to throw this box
1: of tissues. Save the government a little extra cash. Um, Did they say how much time passes between when he throws it in and when they receive it? I have I to, that. I have to assume that it was a day,
0: maybe it couldn't have been <laughs> too long because, um, Daniel Jackson later in the episode does say he's got boys posted up on the, on the gate 24 seven. So assuming they had to go to wherever the village is, I'll give it about a day Come, you know. Based on possible sandstorms or something Mm. like that. So I have to assume it's probably about a day. Or a couple hours. Somewhere in there. They didn't actually specify. Although they're all wearing the same clothing. So
1: I'll have to assume it's only a few hours. Yeah. But like... So is he just sitting there like tearing these things out of the box? I know. I think he just emptied the box and put it somewhere and then threw the box back. Right. I, that is also uh, a, a bit of a plot hole. I don't even know what to say to that one. I just, like, I'm I'm just upset that they didn't film that. It seemed like one at a time, <clears> pulling him out like uh, magician handkerchiefs, throwing them into the air.
0: Yes, yeah, that would have been interesting, but no. <laughs> no, no. Um... What happened after the tissue box? I mean, they, they basically just like, okay, now we're, we're setting you guys up. You're all going. is that when they bring Carter in? Then then they bring Carter in, I'm pretty sure. And they bring
1: Carter in because they've uh, approved of sending him a team through. Mm hmm. Yeah. Nice. And uh, Captain O'Neill has trouble dealing with another scientist.
0: That's funny because later in the episodes, it it, they kind of drift at some point, probably in seasons four and five, where it's like he's she's the love interest for for Colonel O'Neill, but then it just sort of drifts apart at at some point. I want to say during seasons four or five, where it never happens anymore. Like they okay, just sort of. I, drop I don't the, remember
1: that part. They
0: drop the pretense of the whole thing. Um, and at that point, they only, only off mentioned it every so often. So it's like, are they, aren't they? I don't even think the show knew at that point, whether or not they were going to go in that direction.
1: Well, it's, it feels like the writing in these first one feels so nineties. Like, oh, so f- for sure. You've got, uh, like that, that, that part with the, with the staff. You know, that's very clearly a plot development thing. It has nothing to do except for moving the plot forward. It has no purpose of developing anything beyond that. Yeah. So like they're just throwing things out here left and right and, you know, seeing how people react to it. Yeah, they're just of, you know, trying
0: to they're just trying to get everyone together and they're trying to make it seem as though it's a relatively natural thing.
1: Yeah, so they they're just trying to get stuff out there to see what audiences are going to react to and you know what's going to drive people to watch this show is it going to be the science fiction is it going to be the relationships uh is it going to be like the tech quote unquote technology like oh, yeah. it, it's like just a lot of stuff with um that like mid early 90s. Oh, here's a couple filming. of th- yeah, here's they're a couple, couple of things it where it
0: they di- where they tried to impose the <clears throat> the lethality of the Jaffa and how difficult they were to take down <clears throat> in the original um, shootout when, during the poker match. Yeah, it seemed like you couldn't shoot any of them. They managed to kill one, but it seemed like every bullet was bouncing off.
1: Now I did. Well, it, I, I did, it did look... actually kill a couple because there are a couple times where it zooms right in on. Um, the the main guy's face and uh he's like so aghast that even oh yeah know, when one they... or two got killed yeah yeah um,
0: but it's like oh my god this is so impossible but then you get into later episodes where they're using lower caliber weapons from the ones that they were using there and people have pointed this out i, I read a few things there they were using lower caliber weapons and they were able to shoot them with no problems later on in in the series. (laughs) And it's like, Oh, okay. So that we're just dropping that all together that they're that strong. They're real easy to kill now. And I'm like, okay, that's just one of those continuity things that they just weren't thinking about. And they were only utilizing, they were just trying to impose the, uh, difficult challenge of, yeah. Of how the Jaffa are. Um, also also and this obviously didn't um, didn't come up right away when they are leaving like Apophis and and the Jaffa are leaving there's no dial home device on the earth stargate how the hell do they even figure out how to how to leave let's take a break
1: That's let's it. take a
0: break yeah let's take a break
1: let's take all right, a break. All
0: right. Cue music Nice, nice. Nice, nice, okay. Nice. Yeah,
1: so they, yeah, they're just trying to make the the Jaffa, like boogeymen.
0: Yeah, and and but how the hell did they dial out? How'd they leave? They couldn't have left. They don't have. Yeah,
1: to I mean, work computers. They, they on, would on have the had to figured out, like, they would have known what chevrons to press and whatever. From. They not only
0: would have had to know um, how to speak English, how to write English, and how to read English. They would have had to have figured out how a fucking computer works. Excuse my language, but seriously. (laughs) They might have manually dialed, but...
1: Yeah. Well, like, um, you know, the Jaffa like, they control all of their stuff that's very clearly technology, like, uh, with gestures, right? Because, like, in the original movie, uh, they use, like, their gauntlets have, like, a bunch of buttons that do stuff throughout the spaceship. And obviously the spaceship has to have some sort of interface that moves it around. Mm -hmm. So it's not going to be like something analog. There's going to be some sort of computer there.
0: Hmm. Yeah. All right. So Sam, Sam Carter has joined. She's the brains behind this operation. Um, whereas it also seems that Dr. Jackson is the brains as well, or is he just the historical, um,
1: well it's it's very much like she's meant to be like the very straightforward very like intuitive direct person whereas jackson is meant to be like <laughs> eccentric okay. so like uh, obsessed with all of this stuff but like thinking outside the box and like going in a different direction than you know the the quote-unquote common sense of uh O'Neill, and uh, yeah, Jackson. common common sense uh, slash.
0: Um, what do you call him? The comic relief leader. I mean, he's great when he has to be the leader. Yeah. but he's definitely the comic relief at, at a lot of points in the in the episode, not only the episode but the series itself.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Like, I, he's there for a laugh, but he's also like driving the plot because he's you know another you know scientist.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so they so they head off through the stargate um where they're then greeted by um Skara and the rest of the, the boys from the original movie. Yeah, obviously they have I, a
1: nice little reunion
0: scene. Obviously not the originals, um but something except for Skara. Except for Skara, that's the only one that uh, apparently they could convince to come back for a TV series from a movie. Uh, well,
1: th- this has to be one of the original series that comes from a movie, right? So like before this, there weren't a lot of examples of a movie spawning into a TV series.
0: I guess not. I can't think of any from the from the 90s. No.
1: Yeah, th- I mean this would be the period where that stuff started to happen. So like, a, you know, why would a film actor take the risk on, you know, you know, quote unquote, being a lowly TV or, actor or
0: getting stuck in a multi-year contract
1: for multi-year contract? Like where this they was the whole thing. Films.
0: This was probably the whole thing with the original contracts. They, uh, a lot of the Marvel heroes did. They were like, oh, I don't want to get stuck in a five movie deal for 10 years. That'd be crazy. Like, can mm-hmm. I do other things? Am I allowed to do other things? Will I have time to do other things? And, and you have to contract... remember, there's,
1: like, a lot of, uh, like, this was definitely, like, the period of, like, backroom deals for Hollywood. So, like, they were all uh, organizing their contracts and whatever through their agents, through, like, schmoozing and, like, getting into the office and their agent's relationship with that studio and you know what you know what are you going to do for the studio to get this role type of thing
0: mm. yes that's uh, a yeah, that's a good point that's a good
1: point and I don't know if there's any like you know drama around how people arrange their contracts for this show but like that is definitely like that period where it was less you know out in the open how stuff was done
0: well, after they so after they get off in the Stargate, they have their nice little reunion. Charee slash Shari shows up. Scara shows up. Scara tries to <clears throat> hand back the lighter to um, Jack Neil, Jack O'Neill. But what's interesting is uh, another thing that you'd notice different from the movies and the and the shows. Kurt Russell's character was like smoking constantly. In the, in the movie, you never see um, Richard Dean Anderson's character ever pick up a cigarette. And
1: I don't know if yeah. that has
0: something to do with the fact that it's on television. Maybe there's different rules.
1: Well, I think this is also the time where they started to crack down on that sort of stuff where characters, you know, smoked less. Uh, they drank less uh, on TV and then eventually in movies um, where they were just... Starting to try and clean that stuff up, because um, they were finally getting the like detailed reports on uh, the effects of smoking and the effects of smoking in movies on uh, you know teens kids.
0: Uh, yeah, yeah. That's a good point.
1: <clears throat> also, what, uh, what's up? what channel did this? from Miran, do you know? Showtime. It was on Showtime. Oh, Showtime. Okay, so I don't know if that would have played into it that much because I don't know if they would have cared because I, yeah. it was a purchased. If you, if you channel, watch right. it on
0: yeah, if you watch it on Netflix now, mm-hmm. uh, Netflix has the original uh, instead of the final cut that they did for syndication. So Netflix actually has the original stuff that they played in the original pilot and everything. Um You'll also notice this is the only this is the only episode throughout the entire series that there is actual nudity. <clears throat> only right. one, yeah, only the... one. Ep- it was it was because the director and the writers they didn't they were like we don't want this to become just about that. We know Showtime is one of these <clears throat> um, places where you can go and watch you know. Skin flicks, essentially. And they didn't want this to turn into a skin flick kind of sci-fi show. So that's why this was the only one where they had actual nudity. And then when they went through syndication, they actually got rid of the nudity.
1: I mean, that makes sense. Mm -hmm. Like they're trying to keep their uh, reputation like a little bit cleaner, trying to get away from... Like things that they had been, yeah, they just filming wanna, earlier.
0: Yeah, they just didn't want to be another
1: sex. And not to mention, at the thing. same time, um, NYPD Blue was like in the prime of its uh, filming and showing, mm-hmm. uh, and which was known for, of course, the main uh, actors' uh, ass constantly, constantly being shown. Nice. I don't know if that has anything to do with it. I thought it was interesting.
0: So we're not seeing Jack O'Neill's butt every few seconds, is what you're saying?
1: No. Yeah. Damn it. They ruined television in Very general. Very disappointing.
0: Richard Dean Anderson, MacGyver's butt? Who doesn't want to see that on a constant basis?
1: I'm really surprised that people weren't just beating down the doors of Showtime like, we, we ask,
0: want more. Ask, ask, ask. We want more Christopher Judge and uh Richard Dean Anderson butt on television, please. <clears throat> <laughs> um, speaking of MacGyver, uh when they get to Abydos and uh Camp Captain Carter actually notices a DHD, the dial home device She's like, Oh my god, we had the MacGyver one for fifteen years back on Earth.
1: Yes. With uh I think she said four supercomputers. Uh three supercomputers, but
0: the numbers three doesn't really computers. matter at this okay. point. Right. Like they had to figure out how to build something that would integrate with the gate. Mm-hmm. Coming back to that whole how the hell did Apophis figure it out so quickly kinda of baloney. But yeah, she she actually said MacGyver. Uh, in the syndication version she does not apparently they took that out possibly because cbs was on on their ass about it i'm sure uh so so yeah they had to be a little bit more careful but it was quite funny i'm like oh that's great then they go to the cartouche with all this is where they this is where they expand the whole universe um they get they get to the cartouche and then they it's like it's all set. Seven symbols constantly, all over the walls, and then they're like, "Oh my God!" There's a series of networks of network stargates throughout the entire galaxy. We've got to explore them, and uh, that really just that just blew blew everyone's mind. I bet you. That's when they finally. Yeah. That's when they finally open up the whole series to being, not just between this random planet, and Earth. But a shitload of random planets and Earth.
1: I think it was maybe potentially like uh, just talked about for like a second during the movie. Like, God knows where this could go, but it ended up only having the one that they found that worked. And Um, and
0: and, you know, people people might complain that that that, that's a problem. I don't think it's a natural progression of logic. Like,
1: how the hell are you supposed to know? There is something that. Bothered me about that part though. They talk about how they were trying so many combinations of these symbols. They have a finite number of symbols. It's not like they have a hundred symbols where but they're you know doing. The, you know what
0: the symbols stand You know, a hundred
1: times a hundred, and you're doing a thousand, whatever. You know what the symbols uh, stand for, though, right? Uh, honestly, at this moment, I can't. Okay, remember. So
0: they—they're so they, all—they're supposed to be based on constellations. So the way that the the symbols lock into a planet
1: mm-hmm.
0: is you use the first two coordinates to uh, create your X line in space, the next two coordinates to create your Y line, and then the next two coordinates to create your Z line. So you have a three dimensional picture mm-hmm. and then you have to have a, uh seven symbol, which represents your point of origin. They explain this in the movie. Uh, but they don't really go over it in in the show, so I'm just gonna go over it real quick. Like, it, so that's essentially what the seven symbols mean. So each of the dial home devices on every planet have a symbol that doesn't doesn't exist on any other dial home oh. device.
1: Ah, uh, okay. <clears <clears <throat> because I missed
0: that. Yeah, yeah. So so this the dial home devices. Um, even if you keep pressing random shit eventually you would think that you'd run into something and their permutations thing that she mentions doesn't kind of make sense it's because of because she mentions it has something to do with stellar drift but i'm like five thousand years of stellar drift between abydos and earth you're telling me they're still in range of each other to accidentally dial in
1: Right I mean that's taking into effect like massive like galactic uh influences you know microgravity changes between Earth and the sun and Jupiter and like rotational effects and the same thing for Abydos and there's the there's not that much in five thousand years I mean I know that's like in relative... infinitesimal relative time means nothing to the galaxy, but like it—it it seems like that it—it it should be fine grain. Yeah, like,
0: I mean it doesn't make or, sense. It shouldn't yeah. make much of a difference considering that apparently the Stargate network is fifty million years old or some some ridiculous number. Maybe not fifty million. I, I think that was the original Stargates in uh, and I'm I'm. I'm going a little too far into the the series, but it's probably closer to fifty thousand to a hundred thousand years of these stargates just existing in our galaxy, because they existed in other galaxies before they got here. Like yeah, I said, I going mean, that, way too far. explored like way later. Way later, not until at least I would say third, fourth season, maybe. That's yeah. whenever they run into the Asgard. They kind of figure out about new galaxies and stuff like that. So, let's not go too far out of our way yeah. here. Let's, <laughs> let's
1: let's leave some stuff for later, Kevin. God. Yes,
0: yes. I'll probably come back to it, you know, when that happens. Um. So, what happens next? Well, they're looking at the cartouche. Apophis and his gang of thugs show up and they steal Share and Skara and a few more people to take him back to what's what we eventually come to find out is Chulak. Um now in later episodes they start referring to the whole Chulak as a planet rather than a city. In this in this episode they call it a city. Later on it just becomes the name for the whole planet. So it's like they're on it's Chulak. Chulak.
1: Definitely one of those things they threw out there, and then they're like, "Oh, we'll, we'll just call the whole planet." All I right.
0: mean, they can they can in some ways write it off. It's not really a big deal. But I'm yeah. just saying,
1: if you're going to get I technical, mean, and frankly, I'm going to get it technical, could be the city and the planet. I mean, it, who knows? There might be a city called Earth on Earth. Uh, I don't know. Chulak. Chulak. Yeah. Chulak. Chulak. And the Wallsville. And
0: then, in and then the Wallsville. They do make a lot of Star Trek references. That's a big thing for Jack later on in the series. Well, I love, mean
1: you basically have to
0: loves to make them. Uh, but like I said, we're getting we're getting, we're getting ahead of ourselves. Yes. Let's, let's not get too far ahead. Um, <clears throat> so they're all they're all kidnapped, and they're like, "Oh, we're gonna go on a rescue mission, get everyone back." And they go and they see some priests who take him to Chulak and then they're in this nice little, uh, fancy little hall where they're eating and then Dan's got to be a dickhead about it and he's got to run up and try and grab Share and get out of there. Right? Yeah. I mean, I've skipped the, I've skipped one of the, the, the only nude part because it was a very awkward scene and that just means (laughs) it was extremely well written because it was supposed to be very
1: awkward. Yeah. It's it's so brief too. It, it it lasts
0: less than 5 minutes. But it's yeah. so awkward to watch. It's like, okay, I get what you're trying to do here. But when Apophis walks up and just starts sticking his fingers in her mouth and I'm like, that's that's kind of weird. Yeah. And the and the outfit he's wearing. Real sex party vibes coming off that guy.
1: I mean, it it feels like sweaty like it feels like if you were to touch one of them, they would be wet, and, and I, it makes and me uncomfortable. You wouldn't know whether or not it was their bodily
0: fluids or something they put on themselves or someone else's bodily fluids. You no, know, it's what like makes when, when
1: you're walking along and like you put your hand on a railing or something, and it's wet, and you're like, "Why? It hasn't is this rained wet? in days. Why hasn't rained this wet? in days? It's indoors. There's no outside access." Why is this wet? And you're just like <laughs> grossed out. Yes. and I really feel like that's what it would feel like if you touched one of them. Yes,
0: yeah, that's when Amonet, his queen, takes over uh, Shire's body. Yes, yeah, the, that was the um, first uh, first showing of what 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 a
1: symbiote looks like when they a go. Symbiote. Uh, speaking of symbiotes, uh, I don't know. Did you ever read Animorphs? I did. I did. Oh. God, I love Animorphs. Uh, I'm going to go on a little tangent for a second. No problem. Uh, so, uh, obviously, Animorphs was inspired by Stargate because it came, like, maybe it three was, or four years after this. I was
0: going to say it was late 90s to early yeah, 2000s. Yeah,
1: late 90s. So, uh, so well, the, just a the, few the years York,
0: after Stargate,
1: for sure. The slugs that take over people's brains, uh, I... I'm so mad at how the media for Animorphs happened to come about and like it seemed like they were just like this is popular let's make some money and it would be so great if they remade that because it deserves a team that really cares about it. Animorphs, I mean it was written. so the books were good
0: the show wasn't too bad it was really written for kids
1: yeah, I mean, it, exactly. They just, I think, they pushed too much of the stuff in it away. Because it does deal with a lot of, like, you know, teenage angst stuff and, like, knowing what your feelings are and that kind of stuff. Yeah. Which is good for teenagers. And then they kind of dumbed it down for TV. And it's like, it it did deserve better.
0: Yeah, I, I get where you're coming from. There's another show I'd like them to make from the 90s. Uh... Slash early two thousands, uh, Erie, Indiana.
1: Mm. That was like a yes. pre-
0: I think that was a, pred- a predecessor to so weird.
1: Uh, probably like a. Um, like, do you mean like a direct predecessor or just like? Inspired sorry, not
0: predecessor. Uh, yeah, yeah. It was um. Inspiration. It was the inspiration for things like so weird and obviously there were adult shows like Fringe and X-Files and things like that. It was like a kid's version of X-Files is what it was going right. for. Yeah. But it was so good and it just didn't get, didn't get enough um, time to be on the air. It was only, I think two seasons long.
1: It was, well, it was one of those things It was like kind of the first version of something. Yeah. And like, it was, it was good. It was definitely really good for what it was. And it was like, Well written and it was fun. Um, But yeah, like, you know, it it was definitely during that time. If it wasn't, you know, making the best impression it could, it's going to get axed.
0: Yeah, it's just funny because it had the kid from Hocus Pocus. Yes. Omri Omri Katz. So good. What a good show. God. God, God, Okay. I have to find that one. I'm going to have to watch that one. back Back to where we are. The symbiotes. It's the first time we get to see a symbiote take over a body.
1: We don't really see it a whole lot, to tell you the truth. Um, they, they did a, a pretty good reveal there. Like, you you see it fully um, evacuating its you know former host, and then well, she wasn't a host. She was
0: the she's just a Jaffa. Jaffa's... Maybe
1: I'm confused
0: then. Well, I mean it. Uh, so Jaffas have a pouch inside of them. Technically, they're yeah. not hosts to symbiotes. They just hold on to the young symbiotes. Or That's what doesn't make sense to me. So this queen is fully formed. She's probably been fully formed for a long time. Jaffa can only carry the infant ones. Otherwise, they run into uh, a problem. So it's sort of a continuity thing where they they didn't know what they were going to do with the lore at that point. So it's just... Yeah, another thing they just threw out there. For uh, the just moment. another, Yeah, just another thing they threw out and then they refined it later on. But Jaffa are supposed to only be able to carry the infants, not the fully formed ghouls. Those ah. are for hosts only. And, uh, I mean, symbiots can exist outside of hosts for a short period of time. Unless otherwise helps by machinery. But that's some lore for down the down the road so she was essentially just a jaffa who was carrying the queen and was trying to find a host but jaffa cannot be hosts they're genetically uh designed not to be able to to be hosts i guess
1: okay okay i'm a bit i so still just they're, part of the- they're essentially the plastic bag of the relationship they're, they're you know they're you're the gonna giant put,
0: walking talking.
1: They um, put the baby food in the in plastic him. bag and then incubation when, chambers. Yeah. <laughs> when it's ready to be eaten they huck it out for somebody else. Yes. Yes. Okay. Okay.
0: So, Aminek gets taken. Uh, he's found a screen and then it comes time for everyone. So the rescue mission immediately fails because of yes. Daniel because they brought a civilian on a military operation and immediately fails. That's not, that's just one in a long list of things that I'm going to point out that make no strategic sense whatsoever for people who are supposedly been in the military for 20 some odd years.
1: Oh yeah. And then everybody just goes along with the continuingly bad decisions. Yeah. And it's like, Oh, well major O'Neill, what are we doing? We're just going with it. Yeah. we're
0: just going with it guys mm-hmm. <laughs> listen to what i said yeah so so they've been captured they're sitting in a cage the cage that you see earlier in the episode and uh, they come in and all the children of the gods supposedly so more ghouls are coming to choose hosts for their children so these are the these are the minor ghouls who work for the system lord Apophis are getting new hosts for their children, essentially. But we never see any of them again. Just saying that out now. (laughs) None of those people do we ever see again, which is funny and
1: ridiculous. Well, that's the the pilot for you. Yeah. Yeah, just bring in
0: random people that'll never, ever be seen once again at all. And then uh, go from there. Go from there. Another strategic problem that I have. Uh, do you know that you know that self-defense guy that you see online, the videos? You got a gun up against your head. You just grab the gun real quick. The guy won't be able to react fast enough or shoot you. You've seen that guy that those videos. Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. I've seen them. So
0: the part where Jack shouts out to Teal and says, "Let me help. Let me help these people. I just need your help," and he goes, okay, sure, or uh, he goes. Uh, what does he? What does he actually say? He says, uh, "A lot of people have said that to me, but you're the first I think could succeed." And then he throws the staff weapon at him, and then so he shoots one person, turns around and throws the staff weapon to Jack, and it's like, okay, you're not. You're thinking in that amount of time with the guys being only about ten feet from you. They're not gonna shoot you. It just reminds me of that defense guy. Like, it, you, there's, there's plenty of time to shoot
1: you. It's gonna happen. It's, it's it's absolutely like um I don't know if you've seen any of the TikToks uh, making fun of that. I love those where, ones. Where it, it's like the person in the same situation, they go to reach for the gun, and all of a sudden they're in like a, a cloudy. Uh, <laughs> background because they're dead
0: yeah right in the pearly gates standing right outside yeah. the pearly gates oh damn that's oh, what happened shit. so it's like oh you've got you've got no time at all to react so he throws the staff weapon he picks up the one of the dude he just shot which just happens to be a lot closer than it should have been because he wouldn't have thrown it back he threw it forward just going there i'm getting technical here
1: <laughs> getting technical but well, you, you can't you can't kill the hero in the pilot. Yeah, he's got plot armor. That's what it's called. He does have plot armor. They've all got plot
0: armor. So, so he's like, screw you. This is what's happening. Uh, and then, all, for some dumbass reason, all of these Jaffa guards are shooting the people, the people without weaponry. They're shooting them instead <laughs> of shooting at Teal'c and O'Neal. And I'm like, w- why? You guys are worse than uh, than stormtroopers. Like, at least the stormtroopers
1: don't have aim. You've got great aim. You're just shooting at the wrong people. I feel like it's the uh, the same issue from stormtroopers. The closer you are to a stormtrooper, the less likely you are to get hit. But like in the movies, the further away you are from the stormtrooper, the more likely you are to get hit. That's and a good point. And it's like if you're in the same room with them, you're probably pretty <clears> safe. That's a good point. That's probably a very good point, but
0: <laughs> the whole scene was just ridiculous, and that's probably why
1: I love this this show, because of the ridiculous nature of that. It's no, like, Every no, every single encounter is completely over the top.
0: Yeah, and that's the best part about the whole series.
1: Like, uh, there, there are so many scenes where, like, something dramatic like that will happen, and they'll zoom right into Richard Dean Anderson's face. And will be like, oh oh, God. How will we get out of this one?
0: Gotta love Richard Dean Anderson. Oh
1: yeah. Because <laughs> you can't tell
0: you can't tell whether or not he's playing the character or the character's playing him.
1: <laughs> yes. Yeah.
0: You know what I mean? Like you can't tell if he's that cool that he's just like, uh, oh, this is happening, this is happening. The character's just him being there. Doesn't even know his lines, doesn't have to. It's fucking Richard Dean Anderson. That whole scene, that whole sequence was ridiculous. And then they make their way over to the Stargate to dial home back from Chulak. And that whole sequence was a bit of an annoyance, too. But it was just to set up the end mystery of the episode to get people interested
1: in watching the next one. Uh, Yeah. Ending on a, a cliffhanger.
0: Ending on a cliffhanger, which was, um, Kowalski was taken over by a infant Gould. Uh, another name that they changed. They went from Goa'uld to Gould. Like, everyone switches, depending on who, who cares uh, to pronounce it which way. Like, Don S. S Mm -hmm. Davis will say Gould. Uh, what's his name? will say it. Richard Dean Anderson will say Gould. Um, I think Amanda Tapping, uh, Samantha Carter, usually pronounces it Goa'uld. I think she's like the only one who, who does it except for Christopher Judge. Like they, they, they all switch about, so it's either Gould or Goa'uld. It's, it's very interesting. It's probably based on that whole thing, whether or not they can pronounce the actual name of
1: it. Yeah. Well, I mean, that goes back to like, you know, reality, like. As a as a Earthling, are you going to be able to pronounce something that's completely foreign to you the right way? Maybe, maybe not. Yeah, and like you know, O'Neill definitely doesn't give a shit about pronouncing it correctly. <laughs> <laughs> He'll say, you know, what he feels like it it is to him, and that's good enough. Yeah, that's perfectly fine. You can't tell me. I'm just saying it the way I feel like it. <laughs>
0: So that's pretty much how that one ended. It ends pretty much with them getting back to Earth just in time because they had 24 hours and apparently they spent 20 of it unconscious. Mm -hmm. Like, that gets back to the whole timing thing. Like, they went from having 24 hours to get there and back, however long it took them to get to the Chulak City, which, let's give or take two hours. Let's go with two hours from the gate, which is a bit long, but Let's just say two hours. Um, and then they all get knocked out while they're sitting in the in the feast. And they're they're out for what? 15, 20 hours? Because by the time they get back up, it's like, oh, you've only got two hours left to get back to the gate.
1: What? What the hell's going on? Where'd all that time go? I mean, that is an extended period of time to be out. Yeah, so unless like they're saying that time works differently there, like they're in a different relative time experience where maybe, you know, x amount of time there equals x amount of time on earth like that would be the I'm only no, way I can no, see that happening I'm no, I'm being no, out for 20 hours.
0: Yeah, I don't I'm no physicist, but that's possible, I guess, if you think about it. I think the larger a planet is, the more gravity which would slow down the amount of time. Mm
1: -hmm. So like the denser, uh, so like uh, let's talk about neutron stars. So neutron star is the most dense uh, Uh, celestial object. Uh, So the, the theory around that, if the closer you are, the more effect that density and mass has on, gravity and relativity of uh, things like time. So it would experience to you, because your experience of time would function essentially the same, but the way it passes around you would be uh, different. We they don't actually, really know explicitly how that would Interestingly enough, they do go
0: through this in an episode down the line, where they accidentally gate to a planet with a black hole. Or a sun that just went supernova and turned into a black hole.
1: Yeah, and I'm not not—I'm not a scientist. I just like... I like to read things like, like that, like that for sure. I like to read stuff like that, yeah. Yeah, you know, so, so in this case, wrong.
0: Chulak was probably a less dense planet or a smaller planet and was uh, experiencing time at a faster rate than we are, is probably what you're saying.
1: Uh, I think it's the opposite. I have I no think idea. It be it hurts my more brain to dense. think about. Yeah, it, it, I'm bleeding a little bit on the inside right yeah. now, but because you're because of entropy. So, like you're further away from something dense that's going to move things faster. You're getting closer to that zero point.
0: Yeah, I need visuals here. I need.
1: Uh, but I, need, I, I need believe I've just gotten a blood clot in my brain, and that's how <laughs> I can handle it right now.
0: Yeah, I mean that's pretty much the episode. We the, it ends with Kowalski with his eyes glowing white to signify he's been taken by a echo waltz, which they explore in the next episode.
1: Bum, buh, buh, buh. bum, bum, bum. Bum,
0: bum, And that's pretty much it. Do we nice. have a sponsor? We're sponsored by <laughs> Comfort.
1: <laughs> sponsored by Comfort. Yeah, let's go with that. What kind of Comfort?
0: I'm, I'm, yeah, I'm wearing a, like, an hoodie right now.
1: Oh, I'm jealous. They are so comfy, especially. I, I have a hoodie on. Not a hoodie though.
0: I, I gotta say they're definitely worth the eighty bucks or something that I spent on them.
1: Eighty bucks, goddamn. I. They're huge. Well, you could get a hoodie from the Gap for fifty dollars. <laughs> Let's not do that. We're not plugging. We're not
0: plugging the Gap <laughs> here. We're plugging comfort well, in general.
1: Just in general. Yes. The, the concept. We're sponsored of by the concept
0: of comfort, just okay. so everybody knows. You're right. Brought to awesome. you by Comfort.
1: Comfort. And Get some. some degree of sloth. Yes. Yeah. Get some. Get some. Get some sloth. <laughs> Step into sloth.